Welcome back, everybody. As a reminder, my name is Michael Goldman. I identify with the pronouns he, him, and his. I'm an attending at Yale Children's Hospital Emergency Department, and I'm also the co-medical director of Emergency Medical Services for Children of the State of Connecticut. I'm joined today by my awesome co-host, physician assistant Tom Balga, and our really special guests are content experts, Casey Campbell and Dak Sousa, who are colleagues of mine from Yale Children's. Uh, and we're here uh, talking about specific issues that relate to our LGBTQ plus population, how to ensure we're delivering exceptional care to all of our patients. Segment one addressed establishing rapport with our patients, and we really dove deep into pronouns, gender identity, proper terminology, establishing rapport, et cetera. We gained some good tips. This next section, we're gonna dive into an aspect of the mental health epidemic that is indeed the other epidemic going on in this country. I have the privilege of collaborating with many providers across both Connecticut and in the New England region. And I have firsthand knowledge that there are behavioral health patients in emergency rooms across the country, but specifically in the Northeast, that may be boarding for a psychiatric admission for upwards of a month. That figure is astounding. And it just goes to show that we just don't meet the needs of our entire population at the moment. But this specific segment of our conversation is gonna focus, sure, on mental health issues, but specific to our LGBTQ plus patients. We hope to gain awareness of specific mental health challenges that this population faces and consider the varying sources of stress that are specific to, to, this, to this community. Again, as with all of our, of our podcasts, the ultimate goal here is to empower our colleagues and our listeners with ways to make the EDs welcoming to all patients and specifically our LGBTQ plus patients. So to transition into our current conversation, KCA, I'd ask you to give us just a general overview of some of statistics related to the mental health challenge of the LGBTQ plus population. Absolutely. So uh, based on uh, surveillance surveys from the CDC and also the health equality index from the HRC, the human rights campaign, um, it was determined that lesbian, gay, and bisexual identifying youth are five times more likely to have attempted suicide than their straight peers. 40% of trans adults have attempted suicide, and 92% of those trans adults who have attempted suicide attempted before the age of 25. So for those of us who are caring for adolescents and young adults, uh, you need to know that that is a huge risk and we need to be on the lookout. Yeah, so I think it comes down to two main uh, ideas. And the first is that there's a general lack of acceptance and understanding of this uh, population. So if we think about our media and how media influences us all, um, and you think about who is really portrayed on the media for you know young kids and all of us, um, it's your typical heterosexual cisgender person, right? So if you think about Disney movies, a lot of kids watch Disney movies and who's being portrayed there? Who's being portrayed in uh, cartoons? So that is the archetype that's displayed and there's no other representation. So then if that is the representation, it leaves our LGBTQ plus youth saying, where am I in this? How do I fit into this? And 
it then leaves for what for for these kids to to understand like what is normal versus not normal and that can become internalized right so um i know specifically for trans folks there's this awesome documentary uh on netflix called disclosure and it was produced by laverne cox and it goes into showing how um trans folks are often uh vilified um in the media throughout throughout movies and tv shows and such um and also uh a lot of the times when trans folks are depicted in the media it's for their transition right so it's like they're struggling to get hormones they're struggling to fit in and you don't really see many trans folks that are depicted as this like successful well-adjusted human um whereas like you see them struggling through their transition um i think another good resource for folks to look at that's not related to the lgbtq plus community that's more metaphorical um, is the series Sweet Tooth. Um, and it's about this uh, mutated uh, human species that's created in which uh, the children develop um, animal-like qualities. So some kids are born with like uh, furry tails or some kids are born with um, antlers and the world is coming after them just because they're different, not because they're this like uh aggressive species just because they're physically different um and casey will go into it a little bit after about uh how our world currently is going after trans youth for um bathrooms and sports and such so i think if if folks have the time to kind of see um this meta metaphorical uh um comparison to uh, trans youth, uh, I think it'll be a good a good way for understanding why a lot of for me it, it resonated personally. So, um, and then another thing that I think many folks struggle with is a lack of resources, right? So, if you're uh, an LGBTQ plus youth um, that's in a household that's not accepting, you're kind of trapped in a way. You don't have financial resources. You can't move out of the house. Um, and then going further, um, specifically for trans youth. Um, a lot of trans youth use binders, they tuck, um, they have specific clothing that they want to wear. So if it's a, a trans girl, they may want to wear dresses and their family's not supporting that. So it's kind of the concept, like if you, if any of y'all have ever worn, I don't know, an outfit that feels super uncomfortable or if like it's Halloween and you're wearing a, a costume that feels awful on you, that's the best way that I can describe how I felt pre-transition. So if you're sending a kid home with that and they don't they they can't really foresee the future and that they'll be able to have that autonomy so i think that sort of is the reason one of the reasons why our rates are higher casey your thoughts on that so um as dax mentioned uh i was going to be the debbie downer about some of the legislation that's come down this year alone. So 2021, so far as of June, um, was a record breaking year for bills that were introduced um, that targeted the LGBT and trans community specifically. As of June, 117 bills had been introduced across 33 states. Uh, doing things like banning trans youth from playing sports, banning gender affirming healthcare for minors, banning LGBTQ plus curriculum from being taught in schools and making it a challenge for uh, trans uh, folks to get ID cards that match their gender identity. Casey and Dax, thanks for sharing. Um, I, I really appreciate your insight onto this really challenging matter here. It's clear that we're not 
doing as good as we can, not only in the halls of our emergency departments, but certainly uh, in the boundaries of our country at large. Um, do either of you have any cases you wanna share with us that reflect such challenges? I definitely do. Um, I have cared for this awesome and sweet 14 year old trans guy. We'll call him Morgan. Um, and I've taken care of him in the ER at, at least eight times, almost always for suicide gestures or attempts. And um, he checks all of these boxes that we're talking about for risk factors. He's been bullied at school. He is frequently reading and obsessing over the news and the legislation coming down. He has no positive trans role models. He feels othered as both a trans person and a neurodivergent teen. And sadly, he has no parental support. So he lives in a group home and has to seek that support from people outside of his family. And I think parental support and community support are huge because um, in the beginning, vulnerability of transitioning, um, just having one supportive adult in your life can can sort of make or break it. So uh, I can understand why this this kiddo keeps presenting. And hopefully, um, I know that you you've spoken to uh, giving giving him some community resources. So I'm hopeful that will help support him. Yeah, so as Dax just mentioned, uh, in 2019, the Trevor Project uh, reported that LGBTQ youth who have at least one accepting adult in their lives are 40% less likely to attempt suicide. And that is huge. Um, it may not be a parent, it may not be a family member. Anyone who's listening who cares for queer youth regularly, any one of you could be that one accepting adult. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope and it makes me want to be a consistent and compassionate provider who can provide support for these teens. And these data you just mentioned with respect to having a uh, accepting adult in their lives, you know, it certainly has overlay with our entire mental health burden right now. What if you have a situation where the immediate caregiver is indeed accepting of their child uh, is trying to be supportive what other resources can you share with our audience if that patient is looking for someone who really is going through the stuff that they are, has gone through what they are going through? So to use your example, a positive trans role model, where can we refer patients? That case really resonates with me, Casey. Thank you so much for sharing. And one thing that really jumped out, of course, was this idea of a positive role model in your life that certainly is specific to the LGBTQ plus population. But really all of our mental health populations benefit from it. Where should our um, community of listeners go, uh, whether it's in the state of Connecticut or New England region? Do you have a handful of resources to share? We absolutely do. And if you're listening in from the New England region, you should have a list of resources as well. Um, if you're calling in from the Boston area, Fenway Health is excellent. If you're in Connecticut, Anchor Health, uh, is wonderful. And uh, the New Haven Pride Center, Triangle Community Center, we'll, we'll craft a list of resources in the New England area to make sure that you can give refer, uh, referrals to some of these great community support groups. Yeah, and I think one of the most positive aspects of the pandemic was the transition over to Zoom for many things. And 
Um, most, if not all, uh, support groups now happen over Zoom, and there's all different age categories, so we can uh, link those up as well. Great. We'll be sure to get a good list together for our show notes. Tom? Yeah, I was just wondering if you thought there's any other special uh, things we should do with this population as far as depression and suicidal ideation. Is there any um, like things that you see that pitfalls that we get into or do you have any uh, ideas of ways we could pick up maybe depression or any other ideas? I think in general, um, we all need to be better about general safety screening regarding firearms, sharps, and medications and drugs in the home. Um, I know that I should be more consistent with it, but especially when we have uh, teen patients that are coming in and, and you know maybe they're scoring higher on the depression scores or um, are dealing with tra tough transitions in a trans identity or they're... Uh, learning to accept their queerness, uh, definitely safety screenings for all of our teens, uh, no matter what walk of life they're coming from. Um, I know that many of the residents have been moving towards uh, having their pronouns with the trans flag um, sticker on their badges. I think that's a very nice um, gesture and, and ground for many of these youth to see, whether it's a rainbow flag or the trans flag, that little gesture can just change the whole environment for these kiddos. Yeah, I think it comes back to what we we're talking about before is creating a safe space, right? And be welcoming and- Yeah. Great. So this was, this was insightful. I mean, you know, like I said, this is a major problem across the country. And then uh, uh, the mental health burden uh, in, in general. And then I think we've really teased out some, some important aspects that pertain to the LGBT tq plus population so thanks for for going into that with us um takeaways for me on this one uh is certainly to to understand that members of this community are, are certainly high risk if they're coming in for suicidal ideation or suicidal attempts um you know i think we understand a bit as to, more as to why they may have gotten in front of us and hopefully we'll have some more resources um to offer our patients uh, upon disposition um, Dax, Casey, Tom, any major takeaways from this discussion? Mine would be just uh, that everyone should remember that you could be that one accepting adult. Um, maybe that kid has never experienced an affirming healthcare provider or setting. And if you're the first one, that literally could be the difference between life or death. So take the extra time, make sure you get it right and make sure that that kiddo has resources uh, in the community going forward so that they can find their people and uh, keep, keep living their lives. I agree. One thing I picked up on too is a follow-up resources. I thought that was a really, uh, really important piece of this. And I was thinking we could actually probably put that right into Epic so it's available to everybody. Yeah, just about creating that safe space and environment, welcoming environment, because one one visit can really change the the world for these kiddos so and we have that power awesome appreciate the insights appreciate the conversation um so this will end our second segment of our conversation and then please join us for our, our third and final segment coming up next which will dive into some of the physical health issues facing our lgbtq plus population that we want all emergency providers to be aware of See you soon.